Welcome to Daily Audio Bible Chronological. I'm Jill. Today's the seventh day of December. Welcome. We are winding down uh, this month and this year. It's a really big month. At the end of this month, we will have walked through the Bible in chronological order in its entirety. And that is, uh, that is a really big deal. It's a really big deal because if you know the number of people that profess Christ, that believe and do not have a relationship with the Bible, it's quite astounding. And the great news is, if you're here, you're not one of them. It's important for us to be in the Word every single day, our daily bread. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this journey with you and also honored that I get to read the Bible alongside my daughter uh, with us as a community. So we have thrown another log in the global campfire. We have turned the page in the story of the word and in the story of our own lives. And here we are on this unusually warm Tennessee day. We are switching things up a little bit. We are reading Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to flip over to Romans and read chapters 1, 2, and 3 today. We're reading the New Living Translation, Acts chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. When the uproar was over, Paul sent for the believers and encouraged them. Then he said goodbye and left for Macedonia. While there, he encouraged the believers in all the towns he passed through. Then he traveled down to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was preparing to sail back to Syria when he discovered a plot by some Jews against his life, so he decided to return through Macedonia. Romans, chapters 1 through 3. This letter is from Paul a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. My God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. 
for I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do these very same things 
And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. When the Gentiles sin, they will be destroyed, even though they never had God's written law. And the Jews who do not have God's law will be judged by the law when they fail to obey it. For merely listening to the law doesn't make us right with God. It is obeying the law that makes us right in His sight. Even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. You who call yourselves Jews are relying on God's law, and you boast about your special relationship with Him. You know what He wants. You know what is right because you have been taught His law. You are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God, for you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, if you teach others, why don't you teach yourself? You tell others not to steal, but do you steal? You say it is wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You condemn idolatry, but do you use items stolen from pagan temples? You are so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say, the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you. The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if the Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law, Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit, and a person with a changed heart 
seeks praise from God, not from people, then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But some might say, our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair then for him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would he be qualified to judge the world? But someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? 
isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Here's what I'm learning about the teachings and writings of Paul. If you are a black and white person, you love Paul. And if you are more of a gray matter, uh, mystical type, uh, then you've got issue (laughs) with Paul. One side of the coin or the other. So just to remind us, there is a context for these writings, churches that have been established for the very first time without a model. Uh, You learn some things as you go. You learn some things as you grow. And not sure if you're aware or not, but people are people and they have a tendency to just do their own thing sometimes. And you have to remind people of the boundaries and reestablish those boundaries as things grow. So we have uh, reminders today of God's anger of our sin. And again, what we have a tendency to do is pull a piece of scripture out of context and we sort of just grab it and fling it, right? Just if we're passionate about an issue uh, directed at certain people groups and we disregard the rest of the scripture and usually the rest of the scripture has something in there that is applicable to our own selves. I find this today through Paul's reminders of sin. So we have a context today that I see so many of us, we like to pull. We like to pull and fling it and hope that it sticks. And then we leave out the rest of the context of scripture. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Let us not skip over the very next thing that is said. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things. 
I am always amazed when we leave us out of the we. When we point fingers thinking that we have got it all together. There's no work to be done here. That we are living a completely righteous, exemplary life pleasing to God in every aspect. And I'm like, you can leave me out of that conversation because I find myself failing far more often than I can even keep up with my own self. And when I think about that, I think, how do I even have time pointing the finger at anyone else? And so it's really important that before we pick a portion of scripture to fling it at somebody and even to use it as a means to condemn someone that we read the entire thing and make sure there's not something in there that might apply to us because if there is we have no room to fling anything at anybody except for the love the mercy and the grace of God that we have to reach for every single day. So Father, I thank you for these words today. Thank you for these reminders, these important reminders that slows us down, that should make us stop and pause and reflect, take in the entire context, ask ourselves, are we coming at this in love? Are we helping or are we hurting? Are we leading people through our own vulnerability of sharing our own struggles? Or are we in our self-righteousness calling out people that we don't even know them by name and missing a genuine shot at showing the love the mercy, the grace, and the compassion of Jesus. I pray that we would take these words to heart today. Let them sink all the way to the bottom, filling in the cracks and causing us to change, to turn in the other direction and move differently than we have moved before. May we understand the weight of being representatives of Jesus Christ. I pray this now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look forward to turning the page with you together tomorrow on a brand new day. The brand new mercy awaiting each and every single one of us. I'm Jill. Until then. Love one another. This is Sonia in Austin, Texas. I'm calling to pray for the the dad that called in for his daughter Kim. Also praying for the Kim in California and for Lady of Victory. Dear Jesus, I pray for healing for Kim with her health issues. I pray that you give her a doctor that can help with the diagnosis and with any other issues that she's having. Help lead her close to you. God, I also pray for Kim and her husband. I pray that you put a healing touch on his body as she stated he's had health issues that has probably caused stress and medical bills as well. I pray for a spiritual healing in both of them. 
and towards each other, if there's sarcasm, um, if there's unkind words that are being said or uh, hostility and silence, God, I pray the silence be broken. Lead them to a godly pastor or a godly couple that can help them or a godly counselor. It usually takes work on both partners' parts to mend what needs to be mended. And I am praying for Lady of Victory and all others who have lost loved ones in this past year. And as the holidays come around, it's very difficult. I pray for Lady of Victory to be able to celebrate her son that has passed um, in a way that um, doesn't bring grief, but brings laughter and joy as she remembers the great memories of Christmas past with him. And I just pray for any hurts um, just to continue to heal, God. We know it'll take a very long time. I lift these ladies up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, family. This is Stephanie in Florida. Um, it's been a few weeks since I've called. Um, I have a praise report and a prayer request. Um, I've called in the past for my dad, Sheldon, who has stage four um, esophageal cancer. Um, he's okay. Um, praise God. He's been doing chemo, and you know, they gave him <clears throat> back in April, they said he had about a year, give or take. Um, well, it hasn't been a year yet, but he's doing okay. He's had, it's been a really rough road, um, but he's okay. He just had another scan. Um, his tumor, I'm not clear on all the details, but his tumors have shrunk since June, even more than they had already shrunk. Um, his numbers, his tumor markers have, um, uh, is all the way down to two which is amazing, praise God. And it's just, I'm so, so, so grateful. And the day they got home from the hospital, you know, with the good news, um, he, my dad fell and broke his hip. So now he's in the hospital, he had surgery yesterday. Um, so now we have to get him, you know, into therapy and all that stuff. Um, so I asked for prayers for that to figure out you know, if we should send them to a rehab place or just send them home or, or what we should do and um, for help, to help us, you know, to take good care of him. And, uh, but anyway, praise God. Thank you guys for your prayers. And um, I love you guys. Thank you. This is Stephanie in Florida. Hi, I just finished listening to China's reading from Paul to the Corinthians on the November 30th reading. I wanted to comment about the comfort of Paul's message to me, an old maid of 70 years. My name is Brenda and I go by Brenny Love. I did not plan on being an old maid. In fact, I argued to God over it much too long. I found I was not alone in arguing with God about my lot in life. I think we all do that at times. We, and we ask people 
why we are in the situations and we can be given many judgments of the why. But the truth is, when we follow Christ, he's in charge of the direction and he knows best. Paul, me, and others are single, yet need to love others and ourselves with God first. Everyone, Christian or married, single or married or single, follows that. But sometimes, single feels freer because we don't need to check in with a spouse or children uh, when we try to accomplish a task. But single or married, is love is never temporary. Also, there are other verses, along with the verses in Corinthians, of God's promise that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know that I am with you. You will never be alone. I am watching over you. Those verses give me great comfort and joy that even in my aloneness, he is there. Hey, DAB and DAC, DABC family. It is Simone from Texas. Um, I just want you guys to know that it is my one-year anniversary with the DAB family. Yay! I did it. Um, it was my goal for 2022, and I accomplished it, and I saw it all the way through. I got a little behind back in August um, with everything, with the new job and everything, but I caught up. And um, I just wanted to say I am so happy to be able to call you guys family. And I listen every single day on my way to work. And I pray for each and every one of you. I don't get to call in and pray as much as I'd like to. Between my new job, I work like 80 hours a week. Being a grandma now, I started my own podcast. Um, I'm actually up. It's 5 30 in the morning, getting ready to go to class on a Saturday morning. Um, I'm taking classes on Saturday and Sunday. My life is very, very full. But what I have made a part of it daily is this community, hearing the word um, every day, being edified by the word and the commentary. And I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, Happy, Happy New Year. And I can't wait to see what 2020, what year are we in? <laughs> 2023 has in store. That's just how much I am moving. Sometimes I just honestly forget. Love you guys. Praying for you guys. Please keep me covered in prayer as well. Love you. Bye.